0: that you make a difference. A lot of tragedies happen and people do heroic things and pull people out of flaming vehicles and they save a life. Most likely, for that life to live generally a normal life and then die lost. Most likely. But that's not your job. Your job is to save them eternally. That's why you have been commissioned by God. You make a difference. An unbelievable, powerful difference. And the enemy is trying to stomp that out of the people of God. I made some CDs, passed a few out this morning on a few of them. The ones directed to my sons, sons-in-law, I titled it, Get Your Spit Back. Get it back. Because we do. It gets beat out of us at times. We get exhausted. We look with our natural eyes and think, not a whole lot going on. And so we're going to attempt to stir this church again to do what it's called to do. And And you don't have to think, oh, I hope I can. I hope. It's not deep. It's Christianity 101. I mean, really, it is. 101. One. One1. As she gets the lights ready, i got a little clip for you. It's not one you haven't seen. It's one you have seen maybe even more than once, but I can't really even think of a better clip to show on the direction that I believe God has given me for you tonight, for us tonight. I will push the limits what he said I did hear that I will push the limits we're not pushing the limits we have to stir ourselves this is where God wants us and I know that we cool off I just do because I do we all do and we've seen this before had the sword up here remember even passed it out down there and a few of you held it or something but that's okay because that's what flesh is that's why we come to church when we do to hear the word of God to be stirred again to be stirred God will make ways Simplistic, easy ways. I can just share two. Ruth and I have been praying for a person that, we, that we've never met, but we were hoping that someday we would meet this person. And lo and behold, the other day while I'm backing out, going to work, saying goodbye to Ruth, we turn around and this person's walking uh, in front of our house. Walking. They live in the vicinity, but we've never seen them walk in front of our house. And, and there they are, and I'm backing up, and I'm waving goodbye to Ruth and driving off. And I see this lady. We live on a cul-de-sac. She made the turn, and she's coming back, walking. And I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm saying, oh, my gosh, Ruth's going to get her. It's the truth. She got by our, our driveway, and she waved, and then she went, and she stopped. And, and Ruth called her over. Okay, not to preach all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, just to to break the ice, to say something, to talk, and I was driving away. This is the truth, the truth, the truth. I'm up here behind God's pulpit, and I said, oh, Ruth, get her for the gospel, for the Lord Jesus Christ, as I turned around and then uh, got busy at work, didn't call her for quite a while, and said, hey, how'd that go? And Ruth said, oh, my gosh, we talked for an hour and a half an hour and a half to someone we never even knew. God makes a way. God opens up doors. Again, we've been praying because the house beside us was for sale and uh, was for sale for quite a while and not being uh, sold. And we kept praying for the souls that would come in that house, wondering who they would be. Well, about a month ago, someone moved in. And so we're going, okay, God, now we at least see people. And so we're praying for them, and and Ruth took over um, muffins and drinks or something like that, which I'm telling you, which opens doors like crazy. We've had two homes sell, three homes sell in our neighborhood. She's done it to everyone. One just ate them and said, thank you. We haven't heard anything from them yet. But the other one came back and was just bringing whatever stuff Ruth gave him, you know, a towel and this and that. I said, no, those are gifts, and it was just an open door. Absolute open door. So anyway, yesterday, not yesterday, whatever the day was, what's today? Sunday, Saturday? It was Saturday. It was like 90,000 degrees. Was that yesterday, right? And I'm cutting grass. <clears throat> and I'm, I got preaching screaming in my ears. I love to cut grass for that reason only. And I'm on the front lawn, and I'm just about done, and I am hot, and Ruth comes out with this iced tea, and it's just perfect, and and I'm turning the motor off, and I still hear lawnmower, and I, and I turned around and looked, and it's my new neighbor. This is the truth now. The house is set for a long time, and I cut the grass over there for almost a year because no one lived there, just trying to be nice, and the grass, you, put, you couldn't see the wheels on my lawnmower, his grass. And I was looking as I was drinking my tea, and he's doing this. He's pushing the lawnmower. So I'm going, okay, God. So I finished my front, my front yard, drank the tea, and went, turned it over. And actually, I walked over to him and just said, hello, I'm your new neighbor. Welcome to the neighborhood. And I'm thinking, man, are you planning on pushing? He goes, yeah, I, we're going to try to get a, a, a rider next year. And I said, man, let me help you. Okay, just jumped on the lawnmower, didn't say a whole lot, you're going to health. I'm the best neighbor you'll ever have, (laughs) nothing, just cut his grass, just cut his grass, I mean it was a job, it was a pain writing, but he's going, I'm thinking, oh man, you can't do that, I said, there's no way I could sit on my porch on my swing, drinking my tea, watching you cut this grass, you'll die. And so I was just out there and just simply cut his grass, and we kind of got done at the same time. He walked over again and said, oh, man, thank you, thank you so much. I said, no problem, no problem. These are doors that open for you to be able to witness. I mean, you don't have to do all these weird things that we need to do. You just need to stay prayed up, your eyes open, and be willing and ready, your heart willing, be stirred, because we serve a great king. Is what the Word of God tells us. You make a difference. The person that lived in that house before, we prayed for them before they got in the house. Now their marriage went south. They ended up with divorce, but that lady came here and got right with God before she moved back to her family. Somewhere in the south. And every once in a while, I'll see her on Facebook and there's still godly talk about the things of God. Acts 26.13 says this, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, but rise and stand upon thy feet. This is what God wants us to do. We have seen this great light. We have realized the fools that we have been. He's touched our eyes of our heart and has opened them. And now he's going to commission us. And the church of Jesus Christ is not obeying the great commander, at least in America. And he tells you today, and he tells me tonight, rise up, stand upon thy feet, for I have prepared, appeared unto thee for this purpose. You understand, you're not just saying to swing on the hammock. God says, I have a purpose for you. You are alive at this time, breathing his free air for a purpose. In this last day and age, in this crazy world, America's never been like it is right now. And it's not like bummer, tough luck for us. No, it's the greatest time for the church. And so God says, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Listen, to you and to me, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. God wants you to be his minister delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. God delivers you from the rowdy crew that's all going to hell, sends you upon the rock, fills you with the Holy Ghost, cleanses you with the word of God, looks at you and says, stand up. And he goes, go back. Go back in there now. Go back in there as a man of God to be a light unto them. He goes in verse 18, this is what you're to do, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. This is your commission. That is that battle scene with the swords, I will fight, I will be wounded, I will bleed, but I'll push it to the limits, because we serve a great king. This is what you and the church and I should be doing. we got to get out of these laws that we get in. They times seem time to get longer and longer. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's you. You think he's talking to just about Jerry and Donna Kempo in Uganda or, or some missionary somewhere else or me because I, I'm called a pastor. No, it's us. Us. You are. Go ye in to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That go ye means to pursue the journey. We told you about the journey this morning. This is your journey. Zanesville is your field. It's white to harvest. That's Kingham County. is your country, your borders. Go, journey into all the world. And that means the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from God, wherever that is, you're to go. Just like Abraham, Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, get out of here. Get out of this country. This is what he tells you. He said, you're on a journey. I have a journey for you. I've redeemed you. i got a plan and a purpose for you. Now I want you to get going. So he says, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. In other words, start your journey. Matthew 22, 9 tells us, Go ye therefore into the highways. Again, nothing eye-opening tonight, or today for that matter. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. The highways, the borders of all the countries that are around us, everywhere you go, go ye therefore into them. God tells us to do. This is a a command from God. This is your commission. This is the 101 in the Holy Ghost school. Matthew 9, 37 says, Then said he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We are supposed to be doing. This is what we are called to do. Remember, Acts 26, 18, To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Turn them. Speak to them. Be a, a walking billboard. You were a fool. You had to foulest mouth. You drank us all under the table. What's up with you? It's right, man. I was. And you tell them about Christ. To turn them from darkness to light. That's the church's job. And that's exactly what we started to do to those two people I have told you about. Me on my lawnmower. A different kind of pulpit. Cutting his grass. I mean, it's probably... I think it's close to an acre, this guy has, with a little 26-inch, 24-inch pushed thing with grass up to my knees. John 4.35 says, Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look under the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And you know what's going to happen to that grass? It's going to grow again. And just because it's normal length now, I'm not going to go, he bought the place. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm going to cut the grass. Again, I believe this is what God wants me to do. I believe this is a a foot in the door to be able to speak to him about really what's important. That he might trust me or might be in his house one morning with coffee before he goes to work and say, you know, uh, we we really got some great neighbors. And maybe she'll go, you mean them over there? because them over there, we've called them, through the 10 years we lived there, we called them no-wave. Because we've tried everything to do to get them to wave, to say hello, no-wave. And maybe, maybe he'll go, oh, no, no, not them, them over there. That's being a light. This is what, and then you look for the, the trust and maybe for the, the walls to come down, a little bit of understanding, and you can talk to them. I mean, even in our conversation, I said, "Yeah, I I pastor the church right down." He goes, "Yeah, I've seen that." And I wasn't going to say, "You better come." I just, "Okay." I said, "You want me to cut your grass this way, or you want me?" He said, "Man, I don't care. Just thanks." I said, "Okay." Put in Carter Collin, and off I went. Cut his grass. John says, "Look, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes." Lift them up. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's Christianity 101. I mean, how pumped can you be to see God spend 20 some years in this church, depending on your age, 40 some years in this church, and you've never left led anybody to God. And you never even told anybody, you never became a witness to it. oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Second Kings 6.17 says, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord. I pray thee, open his eyes. You remember him praying for his servant when they were surrounded by the enemy, and he's going, "Oh my gosh, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die." And I, Elisha' saying, "Oh, for heaven's sake, God, open his eyes that he may see." And the Lord opened his eyes of the young man and saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Do you want your eyes open? Do you truly want to see in a spirit realm? Because I told God, God, if you want me to, I'm going to stop right now and I will pray for our eyes. But you got to want this. You got to say, God, I don't know what I have. If I have cataracts, Lord, glaucoma, I don't know if I'm blinded by the world, but God, I want to see again. Lord, I want to see, I want to see again. Are you there? Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord. And God, I pray for the eyes of new hope. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us eyes to see. Even now, even tonight, Lord, right in the midst of this message, God, that you would rip off the blinders, Lord, rip off mediocrity, Lord God. In its place, Lord, put passion, put eyes of an eagle, Lord God, that we can see again. God, open up our eyes that we can become men and women of God. In Jesus' name. John 9 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me. Do you understand that's your job? I must work the works of him that sent me. I was talking to an older man this morning. Drove a long way to come and see us and and visit his family. And he was here and I was greeting him while they were practicing this morning. I said, sorry, Pastor, but I'm not able to stay. The whole time. I've got to go and I've got a long drive. And I was just thanking him for his gift he brought me and said, man, this is great. Good to see you. And he said, you know, I'm, I am I got to go home because I got this new job and I'm, I'm new at it and tomorrow I just can't be late. He had an urgency about this job, this work. And if we can just push that urgency and that hunger and that drive for the work of God when he says, I must, I must, I must, I must work the work from the natural job, into what God wants us to do. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when none of us are going to be able to work. Night is coming to all those around you. Verse 5 says, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. That's what Christ said. Now guess who's the light? You are. You are. Look, by four, before we get out of here, if we spend two hours here, there'll be 12,000 people damned and lost and have gone to hell. They guesstimated 6,000 an hour. Die lost. Die lost. Okay? 6,000 an hour. You spend eight hours at work, 40 hours a day, a, a week, around the lost. It's a lot of time. And you are their light. You're the light around them. Think of that. Wow. It's amazing. I am somebody's light. I am. You cannot live in a neighborhood for 20 years and the person beside you, behind you, in front of you, on the other side of you have no clue about God or no idea you're in church or. Oh my gosh. It can't happen. It's happening it's the way it is now. I mean, when um, Ruth takes her little muffins or whatever she takes and, and lemonade to a, a brand new person that's moved in the house, after they faint and get up, then she can greet them. I mean, they're absolutely stunned and shocked that they it was something that was always done. In my neighborhood when I was growing up, I could play miles away. From my house, and get busted because they know my dad. They're saying your son was throwing tomatoes at the cars at the corner of Hart Road, and now you don't. We don't even know our neighbors at the corner of the mailbox in your driveway. God got to open up our eyes. We know that we are the light of the world because Matthew five simply says it: You are the light of the world. You are somebody's light. Now Ruth has done some decorating in the church here. <clears throat> And she puts some flickering candles, they're kind of cool. I mean, if you turn on all the lights, it ruins it. But if the lights were off and these candles are hanging on the wall and they're just flickering away, it's kind of a reverence, it's kind of nice because you know you're in church, it's the foyer and all that. Well, I was here by myself just the other day and it turned off the lights and them things are barely doing anything. I'm going, use stupid lights, dumb batteries. Because you see, we got them to flicker. And to shine light. God's redeemed you for a purpose to shine light. I mean, really, if these candles, if we don't find batteries that make them work better or something, to me, they're you, get them, get them, get them off. They don't do what I want. All they'll do is make me mad when I look at them because I know what they were supposed to do. Right? I know what they were supposed to do. I know what they cost us. We put them in a premier place in the house of God and they're not doing it. Why cumber the ground with them? Get rid of them. But if they do their work, then you can leave them there. I know we even run the risk of kids hitting them and all because they look nice. We want them to be special in the house of God. If they're working, we'll, we'll deal with that. If one's hit and crashed, fine, okay, we'll, we'll get another. But they better work. And this is with us. It's, 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 you are somebody's light. You are. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool, which is interpreted as scent. He sent him away. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. That's what we're praying for our neighbor. That's what we're praying for the lady that was walking by that soon they'll see. And it was evident to us that they weren't seeing then. Just the way they are. What was coming from out of their mouth? Blank. And we didn't go, oh, no. In fact, when our, our, our neighbor Moved in our our neighborhood, and we're always getting ready for Sunday morning church. I peek out the window that looks at their house. Nothing is going on. Nothing. Saw the other day, he's just uh, in a t-shirt and pair of shorts and, and slippers or something. So we're going, okay. They're lost. They must be lost. So we have to ratchet it up as we pray for them and seek God for them, and somehow through being in the neighborhood or some way or whatever, the next time I cut grass or who knows, we'll have the opportunity to be a witness unto them, and maybe they'll come back seeing. I'm telling you, saints of the living God make a difference. You absolutely make a difference. You must see this, and you must realize the importance that you're somebody's light. Exodus 32 a number of scriptures we're going to read concerning Moses. It says, that when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and your daughters, and bring them unto me all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. He received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, this be the gods of Israel which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> this is the condition of the church. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Talking about this golden calf. And they rose up early in the morning. Look what the church does. And offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings, did their church thing. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee down for the people which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt. Listen, have corrupted themselves. It's not that pastor made me do it that said, guy over there doesn't like me. God says they've corrupted themselves. God had had it. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be the gods of Israel which brought thee up out the land of Egypt. And God says, I'm up here on the mountain giving the laws of this holy book to Moses, their leader. Look what they're doing. The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Hey, God gets hot. Moses besought the Lord. This is where the saints of God make a difference. And Moses, one guy, I mean, can you imagine standing in front of God's anger? Moses besought the Lord and said, Lord, why dost thou wrath wax hot against thy people? which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains, to consume them from, uh, from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of thy evil against thy people. This is Moses interceding, praying to God. Oh, move, God. Oh, God, move. I know our nation deserves this, God, but move, Have mercy. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thy own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of, I will give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Unbelievable, the next verse. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. That word repented means to be sorry. Sigh changes mine because of one saint He sought God on behalf of the foolish people. The foolish church that rose up to play. This is amazing to me. Saints of God make a difference. Make a difference. Bruce, without even knowing, said something to me to confirm the whole day. He was watching one of my grandsons. And in the natural sometimes, and, and now he has one. And, and, and in the natural, you think, man. But you just start to see them do certain things. That, and he's saying, you know, this thing works. It does get in them, even at this little age. Walking And I don't even know how, how old is your grandson. Two and a half, walking through the woods. And all of a sudden, he starts to sing, uh, Jesus loves me. At two and a half years old. This does work. The Word of God works. Again, Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, but without faith. That's why this morning, this morning was so important. Because without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, without this, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Come to me, come to me. Do you trust me? Yes. Without that, it's impossible to be pleasing to God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him by faith, by faith, by faith. Diligently to seek in order to find, to beg, to crave. Diligently to go after. we got to get this back. Years and years ago, I said our Wednesday night is is the prayer night. That's the engine to this train where you should be coming to this altar and roaring out to God. Whether you're quiet in prayer or whether you're loud, you can still roar to God. It's not a type where you're going to come. okay, we're going to take roaring lessons. It's that heart, it's that hunger, it's that ache inside. I've got to get hold of God, whether voice comes out or not, so that we can do this work. Because it's beyond us. Remember, Jonathan said, Oh Lord, the hour is beyond me. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, from this moment thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek with him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Man, you don't know what goes on in a mind, and a heart, and the life of a pastor. I mean, I, I wish I could make it. I mean. Preparing message after 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 message. message I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I was back in that state of mind this week going, this, I I don't, this, this sounds good. And so I couldn't even remember how I found it. I don't know if it was YouTube, GodTube, some tube. I don't remember. And it was, oh, a book of Leonard Ravenhill's coming out, a tribute to Leonard Ravenhill. And they were talking about him. And they they summed up his life was, I mean, he spoke everywhere all over the world. And they said, man, if I could say anything about him, he prayed three times as much as he studied. And I went, oh, man, yes, yes. And it's not like, oh, that's all I got to do. No, but that's where we get the insight and we get the strength and we get the revelations and God can drop something in your heart in an instant instead of going, should should I do that? Should, Should I do that? And so I try to cut me. I like cutting the lights out, closing the door and firing up the music and screaming to God, pounding my desk, whatever it takes. Sometimes I just weep. A lot of times I get away from it. Not meaning to. Question comes about the fellowship hall. Do we want this color? Or do we want that color? Should we buy this? Should we buy that? Then we got the, the teen center over there and, and working on that. Got to get guys lined up for that. And by the way, we got this 9-11 service coming up and it's like, well, I got to see how we're going to do it. We want to inject God in this, just not a... And then it's like Thursday and Friday, triple your prayer life. Triple it. You're doing five minutes, do 15. Doing one, do three doing none, start it. Don't tell me you don't have time. We do. Because you see, God gives us the ability to be able to pray as we dig a ditch. You don't have to be screaming out loud, but you can be praying. You praying with the guy right beside you. Lord, he's going blank, blank, stupid, blank, blank. You just be going, God, please, you got to touch this guy. You got to open up his eyes. There's all kinds and ways and times, and then we even give you opportunity on Wednesday to come together. Don't blow it off. Another example, Psalms 106.39 says this. This is what's happened to our friends and our people. They were, thus were they defiled with their own works and went a whoring with their own inventions. People from this church or people that you have loved or whatever reason, the enemy has bumped people off, off the trail and they get off into this ridiculous and stupid stuff and I can't do anything to get them back. Times that by a thousand, thousand churches. And the psalmist says, they were defiled with their own works. They went a whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people insomuch that he had abhorred, abhorred his own inheritance. That means to detest, to despise. And he gave them into the hand of the heathen that hated them and ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hands. Many times did he deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. I don't care how bummed out, how ruined, how dumb, how goofy you've been or gotten. If you just cry out to God, cry out a ringing cry, help! God hears that. And we have loved ones, their family members among us at one time who have fallen prey to lying, seducing doctrines, lives spinning out of control, crashing, and they don't even know it. Someone must cry. Someone must lift their voice. And he remembered them. He remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the multitude of His mercy. Again God repented. I've had it with these people. I've had it with those candles, those lights that should be. I've had it with them. Their lights flicker, and go out all the time. They've gone, they've whored after things of their own silly inventions. And God says, I've had it. And he rolls up his sleeves and then he hears the cry. Maybe one voice, oh God, my friend. And God repents. You make it. The enemy will scream contrary, but you make a difference. You make a difference, Art. You've seen no fruit maybe what you and I were talking You make a difference. When Almighty God heard their cry, it made a difference. And that's why the enemy takes the spit out of us. Takes the passion and the drive out of us. And we become like the the Jews in a concentration camp. Just going... with our striped shirts and numbers burned on our back. And the enemy goes, I got all those fools. I got them all. And he lines us up and... We all fall in defeat. Because you can't do this. And my prayers. And no one ever... You can't do that. You will bleed. You will get wounded. You will. James tells us this. In fact, I saw this. We made a t-shirt out of it, Johnny, long time ago. Long time Maybe some of you that were, have been with me since day one. We don't even have a chair up here. But we made a t-shirt. This old-time preacher slumped over the chair. His Bible on the floor. And we put the Scripture, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, availeth much. The effectual, praying with effect, target your prayers. We've got a neighbor in our sights. Now they might tell us, stick it in your ear, man. I don't want nothing to do. it. Get out of here. Forever. Don't know if they're going to get saved but I know we're called to target them. And the person that walked by, and Ruth ended up talking for an hour and a half and showing them our house. She's minor cursing. We don't care. Where? In fact, I just told someone, and told me today before we started the service, man, I've been trying to get this guy to come. Keeps asking questions all the time. And Every time something gets close, he goes ah. And now I've been trying to get him the to man, to man. Ah, I'm going. And I said, you know what? Let him run. <laughs> Sooner or later, he's gonna. <sighs> you can go. <laughs> well, mean? it might be his deathbed. But fish, I think a lot of you. You don't even have your poles in fish and you will not fish and still you start praying again until that stirring starts to come inside of you and i'll tell you what some of you might be speaking about the word of god or trying to do something but without the praying it's just going to bounce off a lot of hardened hearts a lot of no good preachers they've run into a lot of split of churches they've been through You're going to have nothing to do. But if you're praying and you just happen to say the same thing, man's going to go zing with the Spirit of God. And if they want to run, let them run for a while. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Remember the word fervent? In the Greek, I think it's energeo. Energio. Energy. Pray with energy. To be active. To be hot. Remember? Do You remember. Man, we screamed this for a long time. White, hot. Get it back. Get your spit back. If you like to be voicers, be voiceless If you lay on your face and just, when you're in it, just get in it. Fervent prayer. Fervent. Fervent. God, is one thing I do. And you better expect all hell to come against you. <clears throat> because it will. It kind of wants just pound us down into uh, ordinary or mediocrity. And this is cool. Because I went back to my office this afternoon and I, was, I plugged in some preaching because it pumps me up some music and preaching and music and preaching, crying out to God and pumped. And I'm, and I'm going, okay, God, what do you want? What do you want me to write? And a guy and a preacher screams, I hate mediocrity. And I thought, oh, my gosh. That's what the enemy wants to make us and this church. People drive by, feel nothing. Sense nothing. Moved by nothing. And we could have the greatest high tech. We could have videos Playing out there and Carter and Leonard Ravenhill and Wilkerson screaming on speakers. Uh, that ain't it. It's the anointing of God. It's people getting a hold of God. Where you can come up here, stutter and bumble over words and mispronounce things, but it's so anointed it's captivating. Won't happen till you pray. Let's stand. <clears throat> No, I'm sure there's a yeah, but demon running around. And that's what it is. It's a yeah, but demon. Yeah, but you don't know how hard I work. Yeah, but you don't know how many hours. Yeah, but all these children. Yeah, but this and yeah, but that. Because that's what the enemy will do. As the Scripture says, if you set your face today to seek the Lord, And you you can expect phone calls with no one on the other line. People knocking at your door. Anything to interrupt you. That you will stop. But like the video said, you need to push the limits. Push the limits. Again, we're going to pray for the altar call. Father, again, I ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus, you do something supernatural. Lord, that You would take these hearts of flesh, God, and You would turn them into the hot molten uh, lava, Lord God, that You could use for the things of Almighty God. Father, that You can press deep into the hearts and souls of these people, Lord, that they make a difference. Lord God, that they are somebody's light, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray that You would pour in the oil and the wine, God, for those who have been wounded and are bleeding, Lord God, but I pray that they would still hold the sword of Almighty God mighty and high lord i pray that you would use this church lord we are asking for you to open up our eyes lord give us back our eyes that we may see lord jesus father we, you are called what you have called us lord god to be a frontline church in fact lord you have called us to be beyond the enemy of lines lord god getting the wounded and the dying lord jesus getting those lord who are being pricked by their conscience by the word of god and we can bring them back lord And they could surrender their life to Christ. They could come back seeing. I pray that you would start to use these people, God. Use them, Lord. Let them take this message literally, Lord God. Let them apply it to their lives. Use them, God. Whether they cut grass, make somebody's cookies, Lord God. Do something, Lord Jesus. Open their eyes. We invite you to come to this altar call where God makes the difference. Our altars are open. Please make your way down take some time lay before the Lord cry out to God whatever you need to start a fire sometimes all you need is a spark just a spark you can kill these lights please Angie we cannot stop just like this video says that sword is the word of God hot fervent hot word of God